most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin. A.K.A. MMA Anomaly and Emiliano, A.K.A. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. I'm your host, Olin, A.K.A. MMA Anomaly. With me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Olin, my brother, doing great, doing fine and dandy on this fine Tuesday that we have today. Uh, coming off a good boxing weekend, you know, it's uh, it's been a good one, brother. Excited to chat about it. And we got some good UFC events coming up. A little bit of a sleeper card, man. No one's talking about it, right? It's not a big pay-per-view. A lot of glorious things have been announced recently, but we got a good one ahead of us, folks. So I'm excited to uh, break it down with you, brother. I completely agree. I think uh, this is definitely one of the greater sleeper cards. Dare I say one of the better fight night cards of the entire year, even including that last Valentina Shevchenko fight card uh, against Alexa Grasso. That was a free fight night. But again, I, I do feel like this is one of the better. If you look at it top to bottom, left to right, up, down, side to side, uh, it, it's arguably one of the better fight cards that we have seen this year. Uh, and we know that this is a thing. You know, I'm, I'm not like saying anything that people have never heard before right it's not like whenever i say this people are glazing their eyes overall um but at the same time this you know we we do know that they tend to stack these fight cards in the latter part of the year so fight fans of all shapes and sizes we have arrived uh we are here this ufc card is definitely one that promises to be fireworks it's a free fight night it's ufc vegas 80 um starting at the very bottom we got montana de la rosa coming in against jj aldrich again uh, we probably won't do too much breaking that one down, but I do think it'll be a pretty solid fight. Uh, right after that, we got Johnny Munoz coming in against Kilong Aori. Vanessa, little monster, Demopolis. We met her in Vegas. She has, honestly, the best energy of anybody I think I may have ever met in my entire life. Um, and she's coming in against Kanaka Murata, a standout that stands at 12-2 and two right now in the uh, coming into the UFC. We got Mateos Mendonca coming in against Nathan Menes. Um, if that name sounds familiar to you, that Nathan Maness name, I mean, it's probably because his last fight was supposed to be against none other than the long lost beetle himself, Zagas Zumagilov. Um, and before that, I mean, the guy has just fought a who's who of people that you really don't ever want to see across from you in the octagon, folks. Um, and, and what I'm talking about is Tagir Ulenbekov, Umer Nurmagomedov. I mean, the guy, again, has fought the people that you don't want to stand across from. Uh, and that's that's why he's uh, on a little bit of a skid himself right now. And that's okay. He comes in against a very game Mateos Mendonca. And that is going to be a baller of a fight. Um, again, we're not going to break down all of these fights. I could sit here and just list every single fight on the fight card. But 
we will probably break down most of the fights that I haven't named yet. So I'll go ahead and stop there. And uh, I'll let Nano here just kind of jump in a little bit. Get your hands wet. Um, get your feet wet. And um, hopefully, you know, bring some moisture to the ears of our listeners as you break down how that Canelo Alvarez versus uh, Jamel Charlo fight made you feel. Oh, well, baby, it made me feel real nice and silky smooth, baby. Like that glass of milk, maybe a little warmed up with some cookies right before bed. That's how good it was, man. It was fantastic. Quick, before I dive in, quick shout out to the chat. Super shy guy. What up? Great to see you. Feel free to spam the chat as well. Let us know what y'all thought of the uh, boxing match if you got a chance to see it. You know, and uh, really what it was is it was Canelo putting on a boxing clinic. You know, I wish uh, everybody's first time watching a boxing match ever was maybe that fight specifically. Just so you could see exactly what you want to do. How to, uh, I guess, put forth your best offensive game plan possible. And if you're thinking, hey, I want to be aggressive here. I want to cut off the ring. And I want to use my good defense to complement my great offense. That's exactly what Canelo did. Full 12 rounds of it. I know you were hoping for maybe a few less rounds than it actually ended up going. I think we both were deep down for sure. Shucks, man. He did drop him there in the seventh. I thought, oh, man, if he could pile on here, this might be it. You know, the the curtain was definitely being called. But um, Charlo, you know, showed good gamesmanship, showed good uh, a great chin, honestly. Obviously, only getting dropped that one time. And what it felt like from the jump, Canelo was throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him. I mean, every shot had a lot of intention and purpose behind it. I do think the commentators mentioned some good points about it being um, Canelo's strategy to throw a lot of those heavy shots, but not just to hopefully land. You know, you, you may be thinking, oh, those aren't landing at all. They're landing. He's just going for your shoulders and your biceps. He's, he's tiring you out your arms. He's trying to get your defense wounded, you know, weaken that shield a little bit before he actually deployed the real offense, before he was able to get those counter punches in on the chin, um, even just, you know, the quick jab. You thought Charlo's speed was going to be a problem, and in the beginning, he certainly did have that advantage. But when you're just a little gun shy, when you have somebody like that in front of you, like Canelo was saying in some of the lead-up, it's different. He's a different animal. It doesn't matter what you're bringing into the game, into that octagon, into the ring. Excuse me. Not the octagon here. But the Senator May podcast. They're in a ring. The ring, the square circle. <laughs> yeah. Not quite the in, cage, but still, these men went out there and they put on a damn uh, uh, fight, you know? Absolutely, brother. Yeah, what did you think, man? I mean, I was just blown away by Canelo's dominance throughout the fight. But what were some of your takeaways? I think uh, we have to jump in the chat before I even start my analysis here. Shout out to Mad Max Meridian. Welcome to the chat for the first time. Appreciate you being here. And if Let's you're go. not following him and you are a, uh, a Twitcher yourself, make sure you give this guy a follow. He's a fantastic gamer and uh, it was great chatting MMA with him the other day in his stream. So what he said in the chat is maybe cliche, but Saul really showing there are levels to this game. Um, I, I mean, come on. Like this is this is an absolute fact. There are levels to this game, and I said it last week's episode, guys. I, I knew that this was going to be the case. Um, I knew that Jermel was going to go out there and that he was going to be the bigger, longer guy, even though he was coming up two weight classes, not one, but two. Um, that being said, I also knew that Canelo Alvarez, a.k.a. Saul Alvarez, better call Saul because you know he's going to get it done, folks. He came out there, and, and I mean, it doesn't matter if he's the smaller guy. He's more experienced, and again, his fight IQ might be the big, great differentiator in that fight and in many of his recent fights, in my opinion, um, the guy is an absolute 
world breaker of a human being. Okay. Um, again, he's got power in both hands. He can he can fight out of southpaw. He can fight out of orthodox stance. But what stood out the most to me is the fact that Alvarez outlanded Charlo by a margin of 134 to 71 strikes, according to the CompuBox stats. He landed 35% of his overall punches and 40% of his power shots managed to connect, including a 42 to 11 advantage when it came to body shots overall. So, I mean, when we're talking about body shots, guys, they're not the ones that, you know, like someone lands and you're seeing a head bounce back. It's not the ones that are going to land, you know, and pay dividends on the judges scorecards. But here's the thing, guys. If I'm landing body shots, I don't care. If the judges notice, because I'm stacking money for a rainy day. Best case scenario, I'm going to get the knockout because I'm weakening your body. Worst case scenario, you're going to look like garbage in the latter rounds because I'm weakening your body. I'm depleting your stamina. I'm depleting your ability to move forward. And more than anything, however good your cardio is, it's like a cell phone battery, right? Once that cell phone battery dies, let's say it's a, it's got four cells in that battery, right? Let it die. Now it's got three, basically, because you weaken the fourth one, right? Every body shot that I'm landing, I'm getting on the inside, and, I, and I'm gripping and ripping. Bro, I'm depleting those, those battery cells of your cardio life. And into those later rounds, you really, really need those. So, again, uh, just like Mad Max Meridian said here in the chat, there are levels to this game, and I think Sal Alvarez, a.k.a. Canelo Alvarez, a.k.a. the better fighter on any given night here lately, uh, he went out there and he got it done, folks. He he got it done, and not only that, but again, he made it look easy, and he made a masterclass out of it. He made Jamel take a knee. I believe it was in the uh, sixth round, maybe the seventh round. I think it was sixth round. Um, but he made him take a knee. And, I, I mean, again, just absolute dominance. Jamel, I, I, chef's kiss moment for him, in my opinion. He loses nothing from this fight. The man went up two weight classes. He took his lickings and kept on ticking. Um, and I mean, again, like with all due respect, if you take a knee, I almost feel like, damn, I, I couldn't knock you down. You took something away from me, you know, like good on you because you knew when to be like, all right, give me, I'm going to need a minute. Give me some milk. <laughs> um, but, you know, like real talk, I, I gained nothing but respect for Jermel. Um, I thought even though he lost, it was one of his better performances just because the level of competition that he went up against on that night, it was just far, far between what he's been up against thus far. Agreed, brother. Yeah, it's it's different levels here. I mean, Canelo's been so active. He's been a professional boxer for, I believe he said, like 18 years now. You know, I mean, and at this age and how strong he looks, Again, how how comfortable he looks there in the pocket is all over the ring, anywhere it went, any situation, you know. And you you kind of forget about some of those little tactics, whether it's uh, you know kind of grabbing onto the guy, getting in the clinch to kind of give yourself a break, or grabbing behind the neck, maybe getting a few punches in there. Some of the dirty boxing, some of the sneaky ways to get yourself a breather, whatever it is. But you could just tell, even in those scenarios, Canelo's just shrugging off Charlo. Even though Charlo was the bigger guy, Canelo just looked like the stronger guy, more fluid. Yeah, able to grip, rip, slip away. Uh, and and I was impressed with how great he looked, even in those latter rounds. Right? I mean, you had you called it, you or at least you knew as it got later, Canelo was going to stick around. I mean, training in the uh, in the elevation 
and just seeing this strength and where he's at in his career again that championship pedigree I mean and he has an iron chin it's never even really been tested especially as of recent even in some of those losses it's you know it's levels here I mean Charlo's and and even his brother too it was interesting seeing him there last minute kind of made an appearance don't know if that was good or bad for Jamel seeing Jamal there probably not for the best but um yeah, man, like, like, Mac, like Mad Max is saying, just veteran moves in there. So slick on his feet, so great in the pocket, was cutting off the ring, not allowing him to move. And again, like you said, ripping the body, taking the wheels out, out, out of you. It, it was only a matter of time. And again, put on a clinic, man, for a full 12. Now it's, you know, I mean, I'm curious. I don't know what's next for Canelo. Hard to do prediction here for boxing. It's always timing. It's a lot of politics there. I know there's a few names being tossed around. I know he wants to maybe, and he being Canelo, maybe wants to try to chase some of those losses back, right? The one, the, the Baval, potentially. I don't know if I love that fight form. I think I'd rather see him fight some of these other young, smaller, or guys that are within striking range to him, right? One of those weight classes. Who's next for all cinnamon, man? Yep, exactly. I, I, I'm curious. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's a name. There's another Mexican fighter being tossed around as well. Um david benavidez but he has a scheduled fight already i don't know another mexican fighter i mean will you will be a great fight but i don't know if you have anybody in mind but i don't want to be that guy i don't want to be the i always i feel like i'm that fucking guy anyways so i'm just gonna be that guy that plays spoiler um david benavidez folks like it's it'll be a fun fight but it'll be very similar to the one we just saw uh with all due respect that guy's a false prophet he's not he's not the guy to beat canelo no (laughs) it's just not gonna happen no. He's he's got great power. He's got decent timing. Canelo has the same power and better timing. Um, the guy's got good fight IQ. Canelo's got great fight IQ. The guy's got um, nice cuddling, uh, cut, uh, angle cutting. Jesus Christ, getting too excited. Uh, the guy's got nice angle cutting, but Canelo has masterful angle cutting. Like the, again, going back to Mad Max Meridian here in the chat. Like there are levels to this game, and when it comes to boxing and the game of boxing, like it, it's it's almost easier to see that skill deficit than it is in mixed martial arts. And I, I hate to use this analogy because I feel like I've used it a lot since I've kind of come up with it, but one is called an art and the other one, when it's referred to often is called the science, right? The sweet science of boxing. That's because one is an art. It's still ever growing. It's constantly evolving. Boxing has been around for so long and has been mastered by so many people that at this point in time, it is genuinely a science. So if you watch enough tape, you can almost, without a shadow of a doubt, predict who's going to win these fights and how masterfully they are or aren't going to do so. When it comes to MMA, I mean, like, how many bets have we lost? <laughs> it's um, Too many, it's we're not trying easy, to say. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's not as easy. Like, granted, I'm up, like, I'm playing with house money, but, again, I won that money on a boxing match. <laughs> I Shout won out 800 out of one grand on yep. a boxing bet. So, like, <laughs> So get him over fit in baby <laughs> like some things are broken down to just kind of a science uh it's so ha- diversifying the portfolio that's what that is baby come on now you, you, you know, know this. um bad max meridian in the chat here he said yep the sweet science can't go into the lab and just know some chemistry but you can certainly go into the studio and slap some paint on a canvas that's a fact um Fair. that's an absolute fact so that being said guys this is an MMA uh, podcast, so we are going to go ahead and jump into the UFC fights for this week. As much fun as that was to talk was about our detour. guy, Better Call Saul. Um, now, again, I, I listed off some of these fights on the prelims that I was kind of excited about. Montagna De La Rosa, J.G. Aldrich, 
Uh, Johnny Munoz, I actually am very excited to watch fight. The guy's a banger. And Vanessa Demopoulos, I mean, come on, what's there to say about her? She's fantastic. Her energy is unmatchable. But the first match that we are actually going to jump into breaking down here on the prelims is uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right on up the line to Carolina Kovalkiewicz coming in against Diana Belbita. I think that this is going to be an absolute banger. Both women have very, very similar records right down to the fact that they're both 15 and seven. Um, wild. Literally. Wild. They're, they have exactly the same records. Um, that being said, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because I have thoughts. I love it, brother. I love it. Yeah. You already kind of let into it already here. Carolina Kowalkiewicz. Oof, already butchering the name. But, Carolina um, you know, Kovalkiewicz. Kovalkiewicz. There you go. A little bit easier that way. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, a gristle veteran here, right? 37 years old. Been in the UFC for, uh, let's see, four, five. Oh, man. Seven years now. My goodness. Eight years. I'm tripping. Back in 2015. So she's been around look for quite Kobo some time. Look at resume, brother. Look at her Dude, resume. I know. And those names. I was just about to say, as you look at some of the names she's been in there with. Although, granted, as of recent, a little bit more of a losing streak, unfortunately. There's a one, two, three, four, five fight will lose in streak. Uh, but some of those names, I mean, Alexa Grasso, the current champ. Okay, makes sense. Jessica Andrade, Zion Anyan, Jessica Penne Pasta, Michelle Watterson Gomez. And I'm, and back then, this is Michelle Watterson. So, Hadi Karate Mommy. Um, I mean, that's a murder's row. Joanna Jacek, uh, she has a win over Thug Rose back in 2016. So again, Carolina has been around the block. She's been in there with the who's who, and she's found a way to to get it done or survive, um, or at a minimum, just has been able to share the time and experience in there with the, with these uh, experienced women. Now, that's not to say this girl Diana Belbita, man, may not be a household name, but 27 years young from Romania, the warrior princess looks kind of like a Pocahontas in a way here. Uh, but don't let the looks fool you, man. She's she she means business. Um, I do think that her youth is going to be her advantage here. She's going to have 10 years uh, difference here in the same record. So just as busy, less wear and tear, going to be a little bit more explosive, has different paths to victory with four submissions and six knockouts out of those 15 wins and can take it to a decision if need be. But at this 115 uh, weight class, like you mentioned, going to be fireworks no matter what. But I'm going to lean the the younger and I'm going I'm to lean with the warrior princess here. And stay on her good side as she turns into the queen. So I'm taking Diana here. But what are your thoughts, brother? What's your breakdown? Well, it figures, you know, folks. Uh, this is this is actually why I chose Jive Turkey Nano to be the, the co-host with the most for this podcast. I needed a younger, fresher face to appeal to the younger, fresher demographic. You know what I mean? Um, and, and and you know, I, I love him. I love him as innocent and naive as he is. You know, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate the naivety. Um, no, all jokes aside. All jokes aside. I figured you would go with the younger gal, you being the younger guy here on the on the podcast. So, you know, me being the old dog, got to go with the fellow old dog. Doesn't hurt also that at International Fight Week, um, KK herself, we ended up taking a picture with her first on the stage whenever we were meeting the fighters on the first stage we got to go on. And while we were waiting to take our picture with the next person, she literally just started a conversation with Mary and was like, Mary, Mary literally was like, your face must hurt. For how long you have to smile today and she's like no this is nothing like you guys being here makes all of the training and fighting that we do worth it we do everything we do for you and it was just like the most beautiful moment and then after that they like just kind of like chatted and as as miss mary 616 here said in the chat the sweetest person ever 
Um, she just so happens to break faces for a living. So um, that is why, folks, that is not the only reason. I'm going to break down the reasons, but that is the reason behind the excitement here, okay? Um, I've always loved her, as Mary said, monster in the cage. But why am I siding with her? As you said, she's on the wrong side of time here. 37 years of age versus 27 years of age. Now, Diana, a.k.a. the warrior princess Balbita, who had an on-again, off-again Twitter fling with Ben the Bane Davis. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, he shot his shot numerous times. It was fantastic to, to witness. Um, definitely look through the archives on that one. But here's what I'm going to go into here. Now, these women are very, very similar, right? 115 pounds. Uh, the big difference is Diana Balbita, 10 years younger, also has four inches of reach advantage. You would think this would be an easy slate. Scientifically speaking, uh, you know, odd speaking, it just makes sense to go with Diana Belbita. She's younger. She's probably a little bit faster in there as well. Um, and the girl gets finishes. Six KO slash TKOs, four submission wins, five decisions. I don't think it gets much more well-rounded than that. However, if you look at who she's fought, She's fought your Hannah Goldies. That's a win. She's fought your Maria Oliveras. That's a win. She's fought your Anna Maria Powell's. That's a win. Do you know who that is? I don't know who that is, and that's okay. But when she fought somebody like a Molly McCann, when she fought somebody like a Liana Jojua, when she fought someone like a Gloria De Paula, she got beat, son. She got beat, okay? When Carolina Kovalkiewicz fights people, I don't know, she beat a Vanessa little monster Demopolis. Love that chick. Best energy, have I said it yet? Probably three times. I'll say it four more. Savannah Gomez-Juarez, she fought her too. Oh, yeah, she got the dub. Oh, Felice Herrig, the chick that decided to hang her panties up on the Ultimate Fighter house wall? Yeah, she beat that chick too. Who did she lose to? Hmm, let's see. Jessica Penne Pasta? I mean, that's, you know, that that does suck as a loss. And that was just back in 2021. That was after a long layoff for Jessica Penne Pasta. She needed the money. She needed that win. And she proved it. She came out there and she got the sub, right? Um, that being said, you look at every other loss that she's had. Michelle Waterson Gomez, I'm pretty sure that's before she even had the name Gomez back when she was a fucking monster. Back when she was the karate hottie. Michelle Waterson, son. Um, she also has a loss to Jessica Andraj. Fun fact. The only time she's ever been knocked out. I think Deanna Belbita's best path to victory in this fight would be by knockout. That being said, going to have a hell of a time knocking her out if Jean Zaunan wasn't able to. Alexa Grasso wasn't able to with her crispy boxing. And, I mean, come on. Joanna Janchechik wasn't able to. Gladia Gedalia wasn't able to. These girls are all bigger power punchers and kickers than who she's going to be standing in there against in the Warrior Princess. And... There's another caveat to this. There's just another layer to this. I know what you're thinking. God, can there be any more layers? It's like a fucking onion. There's so many layers. So one last <laughs> layer here. Diana Belbita, she, she only has seven losses. Same number of losses as, as our girl KK has. Now, the difference is KK is a fucking grinder, okay? Out of her 15 wins, she's not as well-rounded. See, she only has one KO slash TKO because she doesn't have that kind of one-punch power in her hands or legs. What she does have is the threat of submissions, but not too, too much. Only three of those to her name. Now, again, she's a fucking meat grinder, son. She's an animal in the cage. 11 decisions. That's 11 times out of 15 wins where she has gone the distance and three men were like, yep, she won the fuck out of that. So, come on. Let's look across the other side. Well, I can tell you that, um, I don't know, about 45% of every loss uh, that Deanna Belbita has had has come by way of decision. So, again, 
Three out of seven of her losses have come by way of decision. 11 out of 15 wins have come by way of decision for Carolina Kovacavics. And Carolina notably has a very, very durable chin. So I just don't think that she's going to be able to get the knockout on her. And that's why I'm going with the old dog here. We'll bet a shot on it, son. Let's go. Put it in the bank. That's a really good breakdown, though. I mean, honestly, the MMA math may or may not add up. We will find out Saturday. But that's the beauty of the game, right? You never know, man. Your calculator can make sense, but the outcome, it ain't it ain't st- uh, set in stone, baby. I love it. Abso-fucking-lutely. Moving into the next one, we have Felipe Lins coming in against Ian Kudalaba. Um, the breakdown I'm going to give on this is I'm not going to break this fight down. Ian Kudalaba is fucking just like I, I i joke and say that mma betting is volatile like betting on an, an iwan iwan uh-uh. whatever the fuck his name is cure lava fight the hulk it, it's just it's just volatile like you just Extremely. lose money bet on him lose money bet bet against him lose money <laughs> you somehow will lose money if you do both i think like every yeah, time i've ever fought on one of his fights i just lose money he has a couple of no contests too, so yeah, it could be one of those things where <laughs> maybe. Actually, you know what? Bet bet no contest. Fuck it. What is that like? Plus three thousand odds. <laughs> That'd be nice. We're throwing a five dollar banger on there. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, yeah. We don't need to spend much time on this. I mean, he's an absolute maniac. <laughs> it's it's. You might as well flip a coin. That's probably the outcome you'll end up getting from him. He's been in the octagon with the who's who's, though, man. That's what's crazy to think about. I mean, a Jared Cannonier, Glover Teixeira, Khalil Roundtree, twice, Magomed Ankalov. I think Let's he's on to something here. The under is the play with him, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. He's not <laughs> sniffing a second round. He's not sniffing a second round, brother. He's constantly seeking that finish. Um, still young. It's crazy to think he's only 29 years old. I'm going to keep my trend here and stick with the young buck. Felipe leans um, as, as talented as he is and as well-rounded as he is at 38 years old. Similar records here. I just, I'm, I'm going to go with the, let's go with the young buck here, man. And I mean, it, again, probably going to lose some money. Maybe that's why I, I, I'm just avoiding this one altogether, but I'm expecting the young guy to hopefully put it together. Maybe be a little more patient, right? That's all you want to see from this fight. If you're his coach, Hey, calm down. You're at a 10. Let's take it down to a six. Okay. Relax. Seven's fine. Eight at times. Nine, if you think you're going to put him away. But you can't always be a 10, brother. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh, I think I think um, Justin Gaethje's coach says it best whenever he gets him in the corner. Trevor Whitman. Hey, relax. Breathe. Stop trying to take his head off with every shot out there. <laughs> like, like, you don't have to constantly try and take someone's head off. I like to think like, and again, this is one of those analogies that's going to get beat like a dead horse on this podcast, folks. Like, would you rather get like hit by a car or would you rather get, or sorry, would you rather get shot by a gun or would you rather get stabbed by a bee a thousand times? I would rather get shot by a gun. That's just a fucking fact. I don't even care what kind of gun it is. Give me the gunshot. A, I'm allergic to bees. B, even if I wasn't, that shit sucks. I would die. Like that would kill you. You're for sure going to die from that. So like the death by a thousand bee stings, man, like that, that's way worse. And that is way more efficient. Just take some steam off the punches, pepper them up, just land the jab coast. And again, stack pennies for a rainy day. Like those body shots we were talking about earlier, man. Absolutely. Always stacking pennies, brother. That adds up. Really does. It really does. Uh, So again, 
I feel like, um, yeah. Moving into this next one, guys. Uh, Alexander Hernandez, Billy Algeo. Okay, this is a uh, this got banger written all over, in my opinion. Alexander the Great Ape Hernandez, very inconsistent fighter, someone that, um, again. He's up, he's down, he's like a Katy Perry song. He's hot, then he's cold, he's yes, then he's no. Sometimes he makes you feel like a plastic bag. Um, Alexander Hernandez, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that being oh, said, um, Love he it. does have a crazy win over Benil Dariush. He has a crazy win over OAM, the fucking Canadian gangster, Olivier Aubin-Mercier. Um, gnarly lost to Donald Cerrone. That's when I really started hating him, when he started talking shit about the uh, old man that he was going to send back packing, riding the horse with a feather in his cap. Um, that he ate some humble pie. Oh, yeah. He yeah. ate some humble pie. He ate some humble pie. He had a head kick. He had a handful of punches. It was a great night as a Donald Cerrone fan. I should have worn that shirt. Um, that being said, he's lost to Donald Cerrone. He's lost to Drew Doper. He's lost to Tiago Moises. Hinato Cornero. Billy Q. Billy the Squid. Billy Cornetillo. Um, But he has wins recently over Jim Miller. I mean, that's that's the most notable win he has in the last three years. Other than that, it's, uh, you know, Chris Grutzmacher, Mike Breeden, and then four years ago, he got a win over Francisco Trinaldo, Mr. Timeless himself. Uh, across from him, you got Mr. Bill Algeo, a.k.a. Senor Perfecto. Uh, the guy is one and one in his last two, but he's three and one in his last four. It's a numbers game, folks. It all depends on how you look at it. So, Bill Senior Perfecto Algeo. I think he comes out here and I think he absolutely hammers down on a vulnerable and um, I don't want to say defenseless, but, you know, someone who leaves a lot to be desired with their defensive game and Alexander the Great Ape Hernandez. Now, Alexander Hernandez is someone that, in my opinion, proves to be very hittable. He leaves his head on the center line every time he throws. He does a lot of this. For those of you that are just listening to the audio version, um, my head stayed still while I threw a handful of punches. Just to demonstrate, that that's pretty much what it looks like when Alexander Hernandez fights. Uh, he has power in both hands. He can land really, really solid work there in the pocket. But it's just, it's too few and far between, folks. I think Senor Perfecto goes out there. He gets it done. Uh, he sent Herbert Burns into retirement. I don't know if you know that. Um Gilbert Burns, little brother. Check sure dog. It's official. Check sure dog. It's sure dog yep. official, folks. You could you could check the record, bud. Um, that's probably <laughs> it's worth the Google. Quote. It's worth the YouTube's. It's it's hilarious. Check he the really record, did. bud. It's the best quote <laughs> from Uriah Faber against uh, McGregor in that season of Tough. Oh man, Honestly, there's a lot of quotable lines. Such a gem of a season. Oh, that's one of the best all timer. Pythons. All timer. What's a python? Do we have pythons here? <laughs> Python. <laughs> Python skin. Python. So you gotta so, love favor, man. Okay, here we go. This is actually solid in the chat from Mad Max Meridian. Thank you for chiming in, brother. So uh that cowboy win made me so happy for like two weeks. 100 percent mutual feeling across the entirety of the podcast and its listeners, I think. Uh Hernandez seems like too much of a head case at times. Likes to watch his own work. 100 percent He'll land the one, two, three, and then he'll stop and smile like, yeah, I fucking landed that. That was sick. And then he eats something. Um, yep. Senor Perfecto, I mean, the guy went toe-to-toe with Andre Feely, and, I mean, he lost a very close split decision. And 
I thought that was probably one of his better fights, even though it was a loss for him because it told us a lot about him. Uh, he, he beat Spike Carlisle so bad he sent him outside of the UFC. Sorry, Ian and Aiden, if you're listening. I know that's your homie and you guys train with him. I actually love that fucking crazy guy, Spike Carlisle, the alpha ginger. But I, I mean, come on. Um, Al Gio put it on him for, for 15 minutes, folks. It just, it really happened. Uh, Ricardo oh, yeah. Almost fight was not a fun one to watch if you're an Al Gio fan. But again, it was a learning situation for him. And after that, he came back. He got that Joe Anderson Brito win, unanimous decision. And like I said, got the retirement TKO win over Herbert Burns in just two rounds. Took him a minute and 50 seconds into round two. And then what happened after that? After that loss to Andre Touchy Feely, he came out against TJ Brown, very game opponent. He didn't get the knockout. No, he had decided to get a rear naked choke submission a minute and 40 seconds into round two. Call me crazy, but I think he likes that like between one minute and 30 seconds to two minute mark in round two. The guy likes the Iraq finishes up around that time. And let me tell you, he is someone that whether Alexander Hernandez lands something on him and admires his work as uh Mad Max Meridian said here in the chat or not, he's going to land his own stuff and he's not going to take time to take pictures. I think that's how Daniel Cormier likes to say it. He's, he's, he's not to take pictures of his work. Um, he's not someone who takes pictures of his work. He's someone that does work and then enjoys tape after the fight while he's enjoying pizza. Uh, so I think Senior Perfecto is definitely the one to go here. I don't know that he's going to get a finish on Alexander Hernandez, though. Hernandez is uh, pretty finishable, right? He's been finished four times out of his six losses. I think this might end up being a unanimous decision win for our guy, Bill. However, um, inside the distance might not be a bad line to hammer on him. What are your thoughts on this one? Jive? I like it, bro. I like it. It's a great breakdown. Uh, uh, the Vegas odds would certainly agree with you. Bill Algio here is the favorite here, minus 145. But I got to tell you, man, Alexander the Great at one point, like you said, was uh, coming in the UFC back in 2018 with a lot of hype. That KO over Benil Dariush which seems like a lifetime ago because he's had quite a bit of rocky road. And I'm not talking the ice cream here. I'm talking about his UFC career, like you mentioned, brother. Six and five. A lot of notable names he's lost to. A lot of humble pie has been served. And again, I mean, still 31 years young. It's it's interesting to see, you know, can he build that consistency? You mentioned in the beginning there, just very inconsistent. Can he string together these wins? Can he fight the way he did, honestly, against Jim Miller? Somebody that really makes you bring your A game. You can't make mistakes. You can't sit there and, like you said, take pictures of your strikes or reminisce about how great you just were there. You got to say locked in for a full 15 minutes. And he was able to do that against Jim Miller. I'm hoping he could just make that a habit. I would actually lean, again, maybe just because I'm... I like the way we disagree here a little bit. I'm kind of leaning Alexander Hernandez. You're getting plus odds with him. He's the younger fighter. There's a scenario where if he could stay locked in and fight nearly perfectly, he can win this fight. But I, I do admit, man, I mean, he is fighting against, speaking of being perfect, El Senor Perfecto. I mean, come on, brother. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, he's a Senor Perfect, Mr. Perfect. Um, and he's not a household name, but obviously with that nickname, Definitely going to be hearing maybe more of that, or that'll definitely stick. Uh, but since joining the UFC in 2020, he's 4-3 and three as well. Most likely to submit you or seek a decision, victory. Um, but he's got this lackadaisical style to him, a bit laid back. He's willing to switch stances. But I feel like he's got really good distance management, really good fight IQ, um, moves well on his feet. And all of that, which is what he does best, is complements his, his ground game, complements the jiu-jitsu, Hence, El Perfecto. It's like a perfect game plan, perfect combination of, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little sweet and spice, make everything nice. Um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Bill wins here, but I think just for argument's sake, I'm going to lean Alexander the Great here and just hopefully he's on the right trajectory and that he gets the W. And I think I'm leaning. Me and Mad Max are on the same page here, brother. I like what, I like what he's saying. Wow. That last comment kind of nails it here. Alexander let's has see, all the tools. Here. Alexander has yep. all the tools except the one upstairs. Always been my take on him. Still got time, though. And that maturity can come with age. Uh, I got to jump back to another comment he said here whenever you made your Rocky Road joke here. And I literally read it in my head in a Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty voice. Rocky Road ice cream and humble pie, baby. Um, <laughs> let's go. I mean, come on. It just, it just felt right, you know? Uh, so... Look, you, you and Mad Max Meridian can gang up on me all day long. That's totally fine. And I get I get that sometimes that's the way the news goes. But, you know, it's okay. Okay. I'm I'm here to uh, get these W's, no matter how many people I have to go against, to get them. And that's the way the news goes. So, jumping into the next fight. Uh, and, hey, you heard it here first. Nano will definitely be doing uh, two shots on Saturday, it sounds like, already. Someone's so, getting wasted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> line them up. Line them up, dude. So moving into the next one, I think this next one is um, is in a three way tie for me for fight of the night already. Uh, early early picks for fight of the night here: Drew Dober versus Ricky Glenn. Got to put that Y on his name. Got to throw some respect on that Ricky Glenn name, man. Um, I like this one a lot. Again. Uh, it's hard to bet against people that you've met in person. Drew Dober was an absolute legend at International Fight Week. He was just so sick. Um, yeah, so sick. He just looks awesome. I mean, doesn't he just look like someone you want to root for? I mean, it looks like a, a potential comic book hero in real life of some sort. He He's got looks like a comic book crimson chin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got the jawline, got the perfect tan, has the physique of a Greek goddess chiseled out of his granite this guy uh great smile he's just an awesome dude honestly and i think we've all grown to love him right if you're an og mma fan like ourselves Dover here is jay leno's long lost son <laughs> mad max meridian coming with the bangers in the chat today <laughs> absolutely if leno got jocked and uh decided to do some mma training instead of sitting behind the desk he would be dober <laughs> uh probably did plant that wouldn't doubt it um he definitely yeah, I mean, hits dope. like a freight train he hits like a fucking freight train <laughs> oh, the exchange brother. that we had at fight week was the funniest like it was literally like 20 seconds long before we took our group picture with him and the other fighters that were there literally uh -huh. i walk up and i'm like <clears throat> i shake his hand i was like dude huge fan you are you are not human uh that chin is made of something else and he's like thanks man i appreciate it i'm like seriously you are a fucking badass and then I, I like squat down to get in the picture, and he literally leans over. He's like, "Hey, I'm just trying to look like a badass next to you, man." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, oh, dude. <laughs> like, dude, he's, he's genuinely as nice in person as you would, like would expect him to be. He's, oh, that's fantastic! He's fantastic. He's I fantastic. freaking love it, man. I love it. Yeah, and he's so, and he's um, been someone you've, you've grown to love, right? I mean, he's been in the UFC since 2013, bangers. man. Nothing but bangers for the last decade, right? Twelve and eight record. At 34 years old, he's a grizzled vet, vet man that just loves being in those firefights. I think that's my favorite thing about him. Does not shy away from those exchanges. Unfortunately, you know, again, that consistency piece, you know, we need him to stack these wins to stay relevant in this stack division. You know, you really got to string them together. It's too up and down, man. It's, it's a little too windy for my taste and like a roller coaster here. We need to see him get a little more consistency there. You know, instead of taking the two steps forward, one step back, let's see him get those definitive victories, string them together. 
and now's the time to strike, man. Otherwise, it's you know might be back to the comic books here for him. But you know, Ricky Glenn, definitely uh, somebody that again uh, a grizzled veteran as well, uh, a winnable fight for Drew Dober. If I'm being honest, I mean the odds are certainly indicating that as well. Drew Dober is the heavy favorite here. Uh, Rick Glenn having a four and four record um, has a no contest draw against Grant Dawson, which I found interesting or odd, you can say even. Um, but you know, with 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 everything considered, you know, even though it's a little bit longer, I just think Drew Dober will find a way to stay focused, find the chin. You know, something like Chris Dostoyagos when he fought uh, Ricky Glenn. I mean, didn't take much, man. One solid connection to the temple put him out. I think Drew Dober could do something similar, man. Once he starts slinging that leather, it's only a matter of time. What are your thoughts, brother? I'm leaning Drew Dober here. You know, the same. Are we in the same boat here, or am I paddling alone? I mean, you know, here lately it does seem like you're paddling that boat all by yourself, my guy. But this might not be one of those. Um, I mean, here's the thing: Ricky the Gladiator, Glenn. He's an absolute stud from Marshalltown, Iowa. Uh, fighting out of Team Alpha Male. The guy does get it done more often than not. He's coming in at 22-7. and seven. His opponent coming in at 26-12. and 12. Now, I mean, a lot of people might think that Drew Dober is the more notable fighter with the better record, but that's just not the case. Ricky Glenn is actually the better fighter with the better record. Uh, They're both 34 years of age. Ricky Glenn seemingly has just been here a little bit longer and has a half-inch reach advantage. Um, I, I want to I lean towards Drew Dober here just because I'm a big fan of his. Um, and he's one of those guys that just, you got to feel for him because he takes every fight you give to him. Even if he probably should say no and not sign the dotted line. I mean, like whenever they offered him, Benil Darius probably should have said no. When they offered him Islam Makachev, probably should have said no. Uh, Brad Riddell, I thought that was a winnable fight, but hell, maybe he should have said no. He was bouncing back for that Islam loss. And, and then, I mean, Matt Frivola, come on. He thought he was just going to go in there and trade in the pocket with the steam roller for a Vola. Come on. Um, Forget geez. about it. Forget no, about it. Huh, dude, like Matt, the steam roller for Vola is not the guy you want to just go out there and trade bombs with. And that's why that lasted less than five fucking minutes, folks. Um, if he goes out there and he tries to do that with a Ricky Glenn, look, that last fight you're talking about where Christos Yagos put him out. He, I mean, Minute 35 seconds, and boom, the lights went out in Georgia. But here's the thing, okay? That was his first fight in two years. It was the first fight after two-year layoff. You got to think he's gotten back in the lab after that, and that's a dangerous thing for Drew Doper coming in against him. Um, walking into this, I probably would have told you that I was just sitting on the fence, and um, you know my left leg was heavier. I was leaning a little bit towards Drew Doper here. But just because I like to, you know, drink alcohol and make things interesting, I'm going to bet a shot on Ricky the Gladiator Glenn here, folks. Oh, man. You really want me to get drunk, huh? I'm not doing nothing this Saturday. I got to clear my calendar. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, might have to, I might have to just go through this episode and uh, find all the opposite picks that I chose from you and just hammer down a, a quick little uh, parlay. I might need to do the same. Here. I might need to do the same. Yeah, I'm literally looking it up right now here. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. As of right now, just with the three, I'm at uh, plus 1,128 on the odds here. Love that. Take it to the bank. So, Unless uh, I'm the yeah. bank then. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as of right now, it's one unit to win 12.2. So, I mean, that's all. We'll keep on building that parlay up. So, oh, moving boy. on. 
<laughs> we have my second in a three-way tie for early contender of fight of the night here, guys. We got Alex, the great white Morono coming in against another guy that I was happy enough to get to meet, not only at International Fight Week, but in the parking lot before I got in. I was like, holy shit, is that Joaquin Buckley? And it was Joaquin Buckley. I was like, Joaquin! He's like, oh, no, it was dope. Uh, we took a picture out in the parking lot, and then we saw him inside. Um, he didn't have a, a place on stage, so he ended up doing the same thing as uh, Vanessa Demopoulos did at one point when she wasn't on stage, and just basically, uh, you know, made their own booth in the middle of the fucking walkway at International Fight Week. It was fantastic. Hell, of people had taken pictures with him. Uh, so, Joaquin Buckley coming in against Alex, the gray white Morono. This is one that I'm very excited about. Uh, you got one guy who just looks like an absolute jacked African-American killer. Um, and the other guy looks like a soft, pudgy, uh, just pasty white guy who kind of looks like Victor Zaz from uh, Gotham City. A little Batman villain action there. Um, I mean, it couldn't be more opposite when it comes to the the, the visuals of things. Am I right? You're right about it. You're right about it. <laughs> I know I'm right about it. <laughs> I don't know how they're in the same weight class. So how are they, how are they guys find the same weight division? <laughs> the sleeper, sleeper build, 100%. Right. Dad bod. <laughs> I've let you lead the way a couple times here. I'm going to take the lead on this one after this quick Modelo 10. So, we're going to jump right into this one, guys. Alex, the great white Morono, coming in here against Joaquin Buckley. Numansa, a.k.a. the man with the knockout of the year a couple years ago, possibly knockout of the century. Find out in St. Louis, Missouri. You heard me? Uh, let's go. Uh, Alex, the great white, fighting out of Houston, Texas, though. You heard me? A little dirty, dirty. Uh, so, represent. Um, I can say those things. I'm from Louisiana. I have family in Texas. It's all good. So, the great white coming in here. There's a pretty big reach disadvantage here for him. He's got a four-inch reach deficit to deal with. 72 inches for the great white Alex Morono. 76 inches for Mr. Knockout of the Century himself, Joaquin Numansa Buckley. Numansa Buckley, I mean, he he doesn't get it done many ways, right? Uh, you would think he'd be my favorite, considering my, my favorite number is 616, you know, Marvel Universe, lucky number 616. He's 16 and 6, a.k.a. 616. Those are my lucky numbers. But I'm still not going to go for the guy here because Alex the Great White, he just gets slept on. The man gets it done every time people sleep on him, and I think this isn't going to be any different. Santiago Ponzinibbio was able to get it done via TKO punches in the third round. Joaquin Buckley, out of all 16 of his wins, 12 are KOs, zero submissions, four decisions. Okay? Now, this man, Alex Morono, I mean, he he's an absolute beast when it comes to cardio. He's an absolute beast when it comes to surviving submissions. His Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is next level. He's actually a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor at his gym. He's one of the coaches there. He teaches these guys. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, it's like a Gracie Barra level gym. Like, it's solid. So, dude's an absolute beast out there in Texas. He's like the messiah for a lot of these guys that are up in commerce. He actually corners a lot of fighters in the UFC currently. And he's coming in against a man that's Two and two in his last four. Uh, his, his two wins are over Andre Fialio, who's looked like he was on a downhill skid, and I've called his last three losses. And uh, his other win came over Albert Duraev. Now, his two losses came by way of Chris Curtis getting a KO and Nasruddin Imovov getting unanimous decision. Now, Nasruddin Imovov is one hell of a fighter, but 
I just, I, I truly think that Nasser Nemovov is going to be a similar matchup for Joaquim as Alex was. Or, or sorry, as Alex will be. So I think Alex is going to be able to shut him down. And the difference is, I think Alex actually has better range management and distance control than Nasser Nemovov. He has way better experience and his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a fucking nightmare. It is a nightmare, bro. Like, I would not want to fight this dude. And you know, like, I don't shy away from a fight. I'd, I'd love to fight a lot of these guys. But I wouldn't want to fight this guy because stylistically, it would just really be a, a just a shitty day for me. Um, it would, I would just, it would make me look very bad. <laughs> like, um, his takedowns aren't super crazy. Like, they're not the most technical things in the world, but they're like old school BJJ takedowns. And they're like, just quick. And flawless when he lands them. And a lot of times you see these people like, oh no, how do I defend against them? And then they're down. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's really how it's going to go for Joaquin Buckley. And the biggest issue with Joaquin Buckley is think about doing a quarter mile race. Okay. And you have a Prius versus a Dodge Ram with a Hemi. The Dodge Ram with a Hemi is a much bigger, much, much bigger, heavier vessel but it's got a Hemi, right? And let's say it's got the big boy, right? It's going to smash that Prius. I think that's fair to say, right? Very fair, very fair. Right, but this isn't a fucking quarter mile. But it's still a Prius versus that fucking Dodge Ram with a Hemi. It's it's just a world race. It's a marathon at this point. And the Prius gets way better gas mileage, bro. The Prius is obviously the great white, okay? Damn straight, and damn straight. what happens to that Hemi when it gets held down, when it's going through the mud for that entire world race, it's going to get real yeah. fucking tired, buddy. That's Not what Alex Morono is going to do to him. So mm -hmm. I just, I really do think that Alex Morono is no joke. Um, and he's a beast, dude. I think he had, like, there's an opportunity for him to get caught by a big shot. I just don't think it happens on Saturday. Yeah, I'd agree, brother. I think you hit the nail on the head, right? I mean, now Alex, the great white, right? I mean, the great white's a, an alpha predator here. They've survived different evolutions of the world here through the longer than we've been around. So they must be doing something right here. Yes, they, they can stand the test of times. And you're absolutely right. I mean, since Alex has entered the, uh, the UFC octagon in 2016, he's built an impressive 12 and 5 record. Improving a willingness to take a fight on short notice. There was, I think, one of his more recent losses. It was due to him. I mean, granted, he took the fight on maybe a week or less than that. Uh, a few days notice, but still showed out really impressively and has earned his spot back here to still be in the conversation. Still be getting these fights and to be able to showcase on the fight night. Um, he's got a real fun, bouncy, but technically sound striking style and just an all around, uh, all around um, good game. Like just well-rounded. Like you mentioned, I mean, reiterate 23 wins, seven submissions, six KOs. Has nine decisions under his belt as well. He's durable and can go anywhere it needs to go. However the fight unfolds, have confidence, Alex. The great white. Doesn't matter how deep the waters are. He's going to find a way to swim and just keep on swimming, baby. Uh, but, man, I got to admit, yeah, Joaquin Buckley, an exciting fighter. Someone that has one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. This The guy caught his leg or caught his foot, spun around with the other foot and knocked the dude out and made him frozen like Elsa. It was unbelievable. One of the best knockouts you'll ever see. Uh, or as Sean Anik would say, one of the best knockouts you'll ever see. Uh, but an exciting guy to have in the UFC roster. Probably would be well-suited in other organizations as well. Because someone that just doesn't feel like he's ever going to be the champion, at least on this trajectory, Joaquin Buckley. But is a fun name, talented fighter as hell. 
Um, but unfortunately, he's although he's given that great KO, what is given will also get taken as well. And uh, he's been on the receiving end of some bad KO since then. So it's it's unfortunate. You'd like to see him maybe be a little bit more patient in there, um, develop to be a little bit more well-rounded. But this isn't the way to do it. This isn't how you're going to learn. Not in this kind of firefight. I mean, Alex Morono means business. I think Alex is going to find a way to get to the, get a victory. Um, you know, Joaquin Buckley still being 29. Sky's the limit for this kid. But honestly, again, I, I mean, I think cash in as much as he can in the UFC, or maybe he'd be suited to be well in another organization with like great name appeal. But in my opinion, man, he's just, it's just not there. And Alex Morono, man, he'll drown you out. So I'm leaning with the gray white here. Well, color me impressed. I mean, it's not very often that we actually agree on something. <sighs> Can't get too uh, so, wasted here. <laughs> I don't want to drink all those know. bottles behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to hear it, baby. Happy to hear it. Uh, and I mean, I have to point out one more thing that I don't think either of us actually addressed. How good did Tim the Dirty Bird means look this last week? That's what really. Before. Yeah, that's that's Alex we should have dusted him. He dusted him. Alex Morono dusted him, got him in a guillotine choke, made it look good. And I mean, I just I don't think that Joaquin is a better fighter than Tim means. Agreed. I know MMA math doesn't work that way, but fuck. If it does, we're on we're on to something here. <laughs> Absolutely. No, the dirty bird looked good in his last outing, and Alex Moreau made the dirty bird. That bird was not meant for water. I called so. that one too. I did call you that were? one. You were right about it. I was right about it. So this is uh this is gonna be it right here, guys. This is the uh the three-way tie for early contender for fight of the night here. Joe Pfeiffer, guys. Joe Pfeiffer coming in against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, which is just a very, very fun name to say. And I got to say, as much as I love body bags as a nickname, like it's a great nickname, makes me think of Cobra Kai. Get him a body bag! Um, Like, come on, who doesn't fucking love that shit? (laughs) Gotta love that. Gotta love that. It's fantastic. But at the same time, like, the UFC.com literally went through that whole surge of Joe, Joe Pfeiffer. They sold the shirts, you know, be Joe Pfeiffer. I would just change my nickname to B. B. Joe Piper. B. Joe Piper. That's a good one. Sick as fuck. Yeah, body bags. I mean, it's a little. Body bags is good. It is solid. I mean, it's solid. It feels like perfect for like for like a UFC event or like a UFC name or something like the game or like if somebody's name is like James Benson. James Body Bags Benson. That rolls. Joe Body Bags Piper. Uh, but the boy does put people in body bags though man he's fun he truly does i though. didn't realize i didn't realize they came out with those shirt, shirts that's interesting i put in my notes that he is like a poster child here for dana white and he mentioned yeah, being dana, like dana, joe like piper right or something i don't know yeah and then he had that like speech about him it was a kind of an epic rant of if you want to make it to the ufc you got to be tenacious you got to be somebody that's here to fight you got to be hungry you gotta be Joe Pfeiffer, or you gotta be Joe Pfeiffer. You're like, oh, okay. You gotta be. Like, that's Joe what you gotta Pfeiffer. be like. You gotta be Joe Pfeiffer. You gotta be passionate. You gotta be hungry. You gotta be Joe. That is. Uh, yeah. I mean, be like, like maybe even that. I don't know. I guess body bags. It is just funny, but boy, does he fight like he puts people in body bags. I mean, that's really my biggest takeaway from him. Um, you could call it Dana White privilege all you want, but the dude has a motivational and very touching story. Joe, that is. Um, but man, you got to recognize the hard work the dude has put in, and he's got undeniable skills, man. I mean, he looks the part, and what he's doing to people, even like my dear, uh, you know, MMA fighting 
uh, I guess fan uh, that I'm a fan of here. Excuse me, uh, GM3 can't even speak right now. That's what he did to GM3 in there, man. Gerald Mearchart, a guy that I'm a fan favorite of, but just boy, put him away pretty quickly. So that really earned my respect. Um, but again, man, I think this is gonna be a coming out party for him. <sighs> yes. Sorry, the, the, the GM3, the GM3, GM3 just felt like the right time. Rip, rip. That was a sad, sad moment, and uh, you know we, we hated to see it, but um, it's a it's a sad, sad part of the sport, and uh, these are the sacrifices that we serve up to the MMA gods. And moving right back into Joe Pfeiffer, Nano, your life. I was gonna say you could leave that going for Abdul as well because that's what's gonna <laughs> happen next. I mean, Abdul at 38 years old. <laughs> Uh, six and five since entering the octagon back in 2016. I'm sorry, man. He's got 12 wins under his belt, 12 KOs. Dude's powerful. But at 38 years old, does he still have that power and range, man? I just don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> Mad Max dropping nothing but heat today. RIP comes out. Yeah, and comes out. Well, not. It'll probably pee on his grave knowing comes out, but <laughs> he does deserve to. Something I mean, comes out had the most disrespectful knockout of GM3 I think I'd ever seen. It was a one shot knockout. He stepped on the foot. He literally <sighs> broke 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 the dominant stance. Stepped on the lead foot and just Put I hear the key everybody. Um, in true true comes out fashion. So your your money isn't on Judo Thunder. It's the Judo Thunder. No, I mean tempting name, but I gotta go with. Body bags. I gotta go with Joey B. Joey B. Pfeiffer. Yeah, I mean that's the smart play for sure. And I would say <laughs> probably finish, probably under two and a half, or or no, it's a co-main event. Excuse me. So under one and a half. This gonna be quick. Oh boy. What are you thinking? You know, I'm saying I mean, it. Everything about me is saying that that. Joseph body bags. Pfeiffer gets it done. Um, and, you know, my real bet is obviously going to be on Joe body bags. Pfeiffer. But I'm here to play, you know, devil's advocate here. I'm here to, you know, be the MMA anomaly. And what is an MMA anomaly? Well, an anomaly is something that deviates from the norm. An MMA is mixed martial arts. So I'm going to deviate from the norm that is mixed martial arts. And I'm going to say, how the fuck could Judo Thunder get this done, folks? Well, he went out there against Alicio DeCirico, who uh, in that fight, or coming into that fight, rather, was coming in off of a 2-minute and 12-second head kick knockout of one Joaquin Buckley. Pretty impressive. And what did Judo Thunder do to him? Well, he turned the tables on him, and he got a head kick in 17 seconds of round one over Alicio DeCirico. The man does have... Crazy scary power. He got a KO punch in 43 seconds over Nico the Freak Price. It's pretty damn notable. Um, Saba Hamasi. That's a name so nice he knocked him out twice, folks. I mean, he knocked him out on the Holloway versus Aldo card back in 2017 in four minutes and 21 seconds. What happened? Saba Hamasi, he wanted a rematch. So he said, okay. I'll get a little bit thicker and I'll knock you out a little bit quicker. So it happened, son. He knocked him out about a minute faster, three minutes and 47 seconds into round one to be exact. And I mean, yeah, 
he's had his losses, right? He's lost due to uh, Munir Lazaz. He lost that decision. He lost to Jacob Malcolm by decision. He lost to Joaquin Buckley split decision. That was a very close fight. I actually thought that uh, Joaquin didn't win that fight, but that's another discussion for another day. He is also coming off of another KO win over Claudio Ribeiro. I think Joe Bodybags Pfeiffer is at the top of his game. He's the best he's ever been. And um, that's the reason he's due for a knockout. He's somebody that's been riding very high. Uh, he hasn't lost since that loss to Dustin Soltzfus. Dustin Soltzfus is definitely not a scrub, but he's also not a world breaker. Um, the last guy to beat him was my old coach from AKA, Dwight Grant, who's been on a hell of a skid. He has not had a ton of luck as of late in the UFC, but he was able to get the win over Dustin Stoltzfus. Um, Or sorry, no, Dustin Stoltzfus. That's the only person he was able to beat was my old coach. And again, my old coach, Dwight, he's having a fucking hell of a skid. Uh, other than that, Dustin has lost his four other fights in the UFC. One of those, he lost to Jerem, Gerald Mearshart, GM3 himself. So, I mean, you know, the Lord giveth and he taketh away. And the Lord, I'm talking about the MMA gods here. So, I think Joseph Body Bags Pfeiffer has been handed a golden snitch's path to the top here. You know what I'm saying? Instead of having to grit it out and get five points to Gryffindor, he just he's, he gets those golden snitches. You know what I'm saying? He gets 50 points here, 50 points there. I don't remember how many points the golden snitch is actually worth. Uh, so, don't get mad it's at me. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it's a lot. It's a lot more than a regular fucking Quidditch ball. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. So you're right about it. I do think that um, you know, if you're doing parlays here, you throw Joseph Body Bags Piper on your parlay. But if you're doing solos, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of red cup action. Well, solo cup in this bitch. I don't know. Maybe maybe throw a little bit of a little bit of singularity action on Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Uh just to have a little bit of fun with it. You're getting good odds, money line alone. And I would say, yeah, twelve for twelve victories by knockout. So if he's gonna do it. Probably going to be a knockout. Probably get even better odds. So, yeah, it might be a fun half a unit play to go ahead and rake in some big bucks potentially there. And we've seen that Joe can be knocked out. Again, he was knocked out by Dustin Stoltzfus. Um, or rather, it was a it was an elbow injury, but still. I mean, the I guy mean, still can got be stopped. knocked out. Still got, still stopped. got stopped. Yeah, He's also been submitted by uh, Jonathan Paddy back at ROC 70, Ring of Combat. So, Again, he, he was getting submitted back before the UFC days. How much has his training changed? Has he increased uh, his kind of defensive game? I don't think so. Do I think he yeah. wins the fight? I think he should on paper, but, uh, you know, I'd hedge that bet. Million dollar question, brother. And you never know. Any given Saturday. Now, this next one, this final fight, the main event of the evening, uh, I think we might be a little bit differing on. So we got King. Bobby Green, someone, again, I've actually had the pleasure of meeting him not once, but twice. I met him here at UFC San Diego. He did the double birds picture. It was dope as fuck. Uh, and then birds. I met him again at uh, International Fight Week. Super dope guy. Sweet. Now, that being said, got a bet against him. I, um, I'm just going to tell you straight out the gates here. Grant Dawson gets it done, son. And I think he makes, uh, I think he makes it look very, very masterful. But before I go into my relentless onslaught of why you feel that way. Tell the people how you feel, Jive Turkey. Brother, we are we are ending on the same page here. I think we were similar the other week. We had a lot of differences, but then we came to find out that all roads lead to the one destination, and that's uh, us agreed on this main card. You're absolutely right, y'all. 
and I don't mean this lightly, as much as I want to disagree with you and as much as I want to take maybe my fifth or sixth shot of the night, I'm going to draw the line here, okay? I got to be responsible. Drink responsibly, ladies and gents. Um, but no, Grant Dawson, KGD, I don't know if that's a, a playoff of KGB, like he's a specialist killer, some sort of, you know, special agent. Uh, but the man's an assassin. I mean, at 29 years old, uh, able to accomplish what he's done, 20 victories, one loss when he was back in cage side seven years ago. The man is undefeated in the octagon. I mean, just an absolute savage. I want to hear your breakdown more, but all I can say is the dude is extremely well-rounded. I mean, he might as well own the rear naked choke. He's got 11 of them on his record, five in the octagon, in the UFC octagon, that is. Um, and he's shown an ability to knock people out. He's getting better with the striking. He's trained with our boy Dustin Diamond Poirier. And you know what? It's sharpened, man. If What gets sharpened? What uh, pressure will do to things there, and uh, it'll make diamonds, baby. And that's what iron does. It sharpens more iron. I think he's poised to, to make a run here. He's extremely talented, extremely game. And someone like Bobby Green, as fun as he is to watch, I mean, he's he's very beatable. And especially to someone that has a dominant ground game, I don't care how good Bobby striking is. I don't care how decorated he is in the octagon. I mean, 30 and 14. Dude's been around. He's been in there with everybody. But there's levels, man. And I think Grant's going to show his dominance, like you said. So I'm curious to hear your breakdown of it. But you got to lean KGD on this, brother. No doubt. Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer here. I think uh, as much as I really do like Bobby King Green, um, he's an absolute beast. He's very fun. He's very unpredictable. He likes to fight with his hands down at his hips. He does a lot of hip firing where you, you can't really see where the hands are going. Are they going to hit you in the body? Are they going to hit you in the face? Where do you guard? Um, Grant KGD Dawson, however, is somebody who has a very, very tight guard, keeps his hands up top, as our Muay Thai coach likes to say, lasers. That way you're firing lasers, right? like lasers out of your eyes. Um, everything comes from there. And also when your hands are here, you're able to tuck your elbows and, and guard your chest quite a bit. So he's very, very great at defensive, uh, being defensively sound in Grant Dawson. And I mean, that's all he really needs to fight somebody like Bobby Green because when Bobby Green fights somebody who's defensively sound, he tends to melt. Uh, he tends to get frustrated and, and he doesn't really know what to do. We saw it happen against Islam Makachev we saw it happen against Francisco Trinaldo. We saw it happen against uh, Drakkar Close. And, I mean, even if, you know, Grant Dawson comes out there and he decides, you know what, I'm going to come out here and I'm just going to fire on him. Every time he goes, I'm going to go at the same time. We saw what happens when that happens too. Dustin Poirier. Oh, and that's who he fucking trains with, folks. So, there might be a, a, a roadmap to, to victory here for him. And I, I truly think that, again, if you look at the people that, that these folks have fought, like, granted... Tony Ferguson, Drew Dober, Islam Makhachev, Rafael Faziev, Tiago Moises, Groovy Lando Venata, Francisco Trinaldo, Drakkar Close, Groovy Lando Venata again, Dustin Poirier, Edson Barboza, Josh Thompson, James, the James Krause, um, Gamble Gate. I mean, this guy's fought a who's who of fucking everybody in Bobby King Green, but he's fought him for the last 11 years. A lot of miles on the take. That's a lot of tread on the tires that he's just shaved off. Meanwhile, Grant Dawson, I mean, he just got here. He just got to the UFC back in 2017 after a win in Dana White's Contender Series, and he didn't make his UFC debut until 2019. But since making that UFC debut, he has racked up quite an impressive set of wins. I mean, the guy has racked up eight wins in the UFC alone and one draw over Ricky Glenn. 
And mind you, those wins, he's got wins over Jared Gordon, Derek Menner, Michael Trezano, winner of the Ultimate Fighter, Mark O. Madsen. You might better know him as the fucking Olympian. Come on. If he was able to go out there and get the win over the Olympian and take him down, and again, folks, big Mark O. Madsen fan here. Guys, guess who predicted that win? This fucking guy. I literally said, MMA wrestling is different than Olympic wrestling. Because in Olympic wrestling, I can't punch you in the fucking face, dude. I can't knee you in the face. But when you're shooting doubles on me, and you catch an uppercut, uh, you're probably not going to want to shoot doubles on me very quickly again. So, um, we saw that that's what happens in those fights. And again, if Bobby Green comes in and he tries to do something like that, boom, he's going to eat one. He's not a wrestler, though. So instead, he's going to stand at range. He's going to try and pick him apart. He's going to try and talk shit. Grant Dawson's not going to have any time for that. He's not going to deal with it. And he's got a reach advantage as well. He's got a one-inch reach advantage on Bobby Green, which is going to pay dividends for him. Because Bobby typically does well when he does have a reach advantage of any shape. He does it in this fight. All the disadvantages are stacked against Bobby Green, and that's why Vegas has this as a Bobby Green 310 underdog and a minus 445 favorite for Grant Dawson. Honestly, I think minus 445 favorite for Grant Dawson is it, it should be fucking higher. He should be a higher favorite on this, in my opinion. And after a win like this, I can't wait to do a breakdown on it next week uh, to, to go over like what should be next for him because there's going to be a lot of names on the tip of my tongue depending on on his performance and how masterful it looks. Agreed, brother. This will open up a lot of doors. Someone like a Bobby Green to do it in a definitive way. Someone that has fought at Islam, Makachev, somebody that has been in there with the who's who's. And that's someone that's not necessarily been knocked out a ton, I should say. I mean, yeah, he has a lot of losses, but he's known to be in there and be able to, you know, hang in there with, with most of them, with the best of them. So for Grant to put it away and do it definitively, that'd be huge. I wouldn't be surprised if Rear Naked Choke. I mean, he tends to do that more often than not. Um, but if he also puts the lights on and is willing to trade with them, a little riskier. May not be the best path for victory, but I still like my chances with KGD. Yeah, I could, I could see him getting a Rear Naked Choke as well. Um, and I mean, yeah, he doesn't give up submissions very often. He's only given up two submissions in his entire like professional career. Um, but, and I mean, one of them was to a toehold, like that's how long this guy's been doing this guys. Jeez. The he lost to a toehold back in 2009. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, the other one, you might recognize this name. Uh, he lost to Dan Lozon, uh, by rear naked choke. Dan Lozon is, uh, and Joe's Joe brother? brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. The upgrade. <laughs> Dan, the upgrade <laughs> Lozon. <laughs> well, this was back in 2009. Uh, my goodness. Yeah, blast Dang. from the past. But again, that, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you said you could see him winning by rear naked choke. I mean, he's he's only lost by two submissions in his entirety of his professional career, one of which... Uh-oh. Rear naked well, RNC. Well, RNC. Well, RNC. Sheesh. It could happen, brother. It could, it could. It happens a lot too in MMA. I mean, it's they get they whether you get knocked down or they're trying to get your back or they're trying to take you down. You get up on the fence. I mean, it seems like that neck gets it's so exposed, especially if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, they're they're there before you know it, and it's over before you even had a chance. Absolutely. Um, 
yeah, again, this fight is, is definitely one of those fight cards that I feel like from top to bottom, again, it's 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 going to be a banger. Like from the very first fight, Montaigne De La Rosa coming in against JJ Aldris. Do I think that's going to be a finish? Not necessarily, but I do think it'll be an exciting decision. And I think it'll set the tone for that next fight with Johnny Munoz and Kilong Aori to be a finish. And I mean, Vanessa Dibopoulos, whether she finishes inside the octagon or not, it's going to be exciting right after the fight when she jumps into the whoever's interviewing her's arms. Um, little, little I've had the time of my life action, you know what I'm saying? Dirty dancing. Um, but no, all jokes aside, I do think this one has banger written all over it from top to bottom. Um, let me know in the comment section who you think is going to have fight of the night or who you think is going to have kind of the standout performance of the night. Mongolian murderer, pound for pound, best nickname just got thrown up in the chat. I mean, that's definitely <laughs> one of the best nicknames in the entire world uh, of, of mixed martial arts. And of we course, he's talking have about a... Kilong Aori coming in there against Johnny Munoz. I love that, Mad Max. That's a good one. Maybe we need to have a bonus episode or uh, a little extra segment where we rank some of the best nicknames because that is a good one. But man, the more you think about it, there's so many good ones for different reasons, right? Are you trying to be funny? Does it work with your name? Is it just hilarious? I mean, the best there's nicknames so many. episode. Get some of the boys. Just a little segment. I'm excited about that one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, Andre Touchy Philly got to be one of the best uh, nicknames of all time. <laughs> all time, brother. All time. Obi Wan Shinobi the Pillow. Um, <laughs> got to be a really good bad name. Uh, I mean, there's so many good ones. Brother. Might have to have Mad, Mad Max Meridian himself jump on that one. <laughs> yeah. If you bring if you bring the Magneto mask, I'll bring the Captain America shield. I think it's oh. Back there. Sexyama. Yeah. Oh, what a great throwback oh, reference there. Sexyama is a fantastic one. One of the best. Speaking of which, Physical 100 uh, Season 2 is filming now. Oh, here we go. Stoked. We live, baby. Yeah. Stoked. Can't wait. Maybe when, we'll break that, that down, when too. When that show airs, I was going to say, when that show airs, this is going to turn into a uh, Physical 100 podcast. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anything. Anything fitness, athletic related, MMA related. Hold on, Mad Max Meridian. We just blew his fucking mind. Mad Max Meridian, yes. Go to Netflix and watch Physical 100. Sexy Ama competed on it. He did. He, yeah, he does well. It's solid. You should watch it. it. Is solid. You should watch yeah. it. Yeah. It's no good. spoilers, but uh, it's, a, it's a solid show. He does well and uh, definitely worth watching. Um, I've, I follow more people from that show than I will admit now. <laughs> they never post anything in English, but it's still, you know, very inspiring posts just seeing their chiseled bodies. Bunch of great athletes or uh, actors or mostly athletes of some sort, but yeah, very, very or, extremely. Yeah, like wrestlers, like wrestlers, everything, yeah. There were skiers. some wrestlers, there were some MMA people, there were some skiers, some sort Olympians. of losing. Yeah, Olympia, great. Wait, Sambo, you me, dude? You're judo. A loser. We're the worst. I love it. You stay for the jokes, y'all. I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? You come for the breakdowns, you stay for the camaraderie and the jokes, folks. Um, so that being said, we do have a a couple minutes left before we have to call it a a hard stop here. Nano, I know you have a uh a podcast coming down the pipeline yourself. In that podcast, Nano is going to be talking about fantasy football breakdowns and things like that. So going to put you in the hot seat a little bit here. And uh, I, I would just 
honestly love to hear kind of who are your hard hard sits and hard starts for this week. Ooh, that's a great one. I'm gonna look real quick here because it's it's been a busy week, as you know. That was just going on way too long. Uh, oh man, that was so fun. We are here. Uh, so. <laughs> we're back. We're back. Uh, but yeah, brother, appreciate it. But hey, man, we're in week four of the NFL season here. Can't believe we're already there. Uh, as somebody that is in seven redraft leagues this year and two dynasty leagues, your boy is very busy. Uh, that's nine total teams here that I'm managing. But I do got two undefeated teams still in three of the leagues. I am number one. Unfortunately, our boys' league, uh, I'm served some humble Did you pie. Just say I think I'm ranked seven. Two undefeated teams. I got two, brother. I got two. Jizz, jizz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Venice. But yeah, brother, it's it's first bye week, so the Chargers are on a bye week, so you're gonna have to go out the waiver wire, get some guys. A couple of teams I'm kind of fading in general, fading the Broncos heavy. Don't try to avoid those receivers if you can. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, they have a new uh, rookie ride. running back out there. Let's ride, baby. No Russell Wilson, <laughs> uh, McLaughlin. I think is a name you'll see on the waiver wire. Look very fast. But just try to avoid all those names. Even P. Ryan, it's just not a good offense, not a good situation. Same with Atlanta. I hate to say it. Unless you're Brajan Robinson, you really don't want to touch the rest of that team. Just not a lot of offense right now. Kyle Pitts has been underwhelming. I have Drake London in a league. Yes, he scored, but you just don't feel good about it. It's very hopeful. So I'm fading those guys. But I am buying the Houston Texans, man. Talking about Houston earlier. C.J. Stroud looks good. If he's on the waiver wire, pick him up. He's looking good, man. Nico Collins has been one of the top performers all year. Um, you know, Damian Pierce, if you could get their rookie tank, Dell, anybody on that team, fire them up. They're going to be good. Uh, same thing with, I think, who I like as well this week is uh, Green Bay, man. I mean, hate to say it, they're playing my boys this week, the Oakland Raiders, which tells me they're probably going to put up a lot of offense. So lock well, those they, guys they played, in. They played my Saints last week, so it didn't go great either. Not ideal. Yeah, not ideal performance, but it will be a bounce back. Jordan Love's looking good. He'll be he'll be able to perform against our defense, like I mentioned. Uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubes, Jaden Reed, a lot of those big play guys, they're all going to feast. So I, I like starting those players as well. And there you have it, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely love all of those picks. Um, I don't think there's anybody that I actually disagree with you on. I think uh, someone that hasn't really shown their worth as of lately is probably Jared Goff, but I'd still recommend to start him this week. Uh, I think he's going to have a pretty solid showing this week. Um, As far as wide receivers to start, obviously Wilson, I think, is a no-brainer. Man, running backs, you got to think Kamara is going to look good this week. It's a second week back after that suspension, but time will tell. Uh, Who I think we should sit, obviously uh, Russell Wilson at QB. Najee Harris, not not really looking super great. Uh, no. Kyle Pitts, I think the dream is over. Uh, yeah. You know, coming to the end of the line there. 
And, uh, you know, when we're talking about sleepers, man, Josh Dobbs, he's, uh, he's someone that can possibly be putting up these numbers consistently. If, uh, if you can get him, maybe get him and, uh, keep him on the bench for a little while and then, uh, use him as a, a little fire reserve in your back pocket, little dual aces there. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. I think defense, the Colts defense is probably a sleeper defense that a lot of people aren't looking at as Mm -hmm. well as, um, running back Jaleel McLaughlin. I feel like, again, I think you mentioned McLaughlin as well, right? Yeah, but that's the one bright go, spot. I feel like it's the one bright I feel spot. Like hold on to him if you got him. Um, mm-hmm. Even if he's, he's out not going to end up, even if he's not someone that's going to put up a ton of points right now, hold on to him. You can trade for him high later uh, if you have him. I think I, I think that's the move. I'm thinking seller brain here. Like I like that. You got him. Stake him later. Don't yep. just throw him away right now. Fire he's him up if you need him this week. Yet. No, yeah. not at all. Fire him if you need him this week. Again, bye weeks are hitting in. Uh, the, the Browns, the chargers are two that I can name off the top of my head just cause I'm looking down and I already have a couple of bye weeks, uh, on my team. So might be worth there. And then like you said, sell high, you know, so there are good players that fit that mold. I should have done that with Garrett Wilson earlier in the year because man, that injury really bite me in the butt, but that's the name of the game, baby. That's why you love it. You never know. It's been a fun year, though. Williams. I, don't, I thought he was going to have a show out year, and man. You would think, he just, man. He just you would think. Out <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out Mad Max Meridian in the chat. He's heading out of the chat right now. He's got work in four and a half hours. We appreciate you dropping in. We appreciate Great all of you, you your chiming in. And, dude, honestly, bringing the smoke in the chat tonight. JJ ah, Smoke has the competition this week, folks. So uh, glad to have you here, Mad Max, and we look forward to seeing you next episode. Uh, again, if you're on Twitch, make sure you drop that guy a follow. It's uh, at Mad Max Meridian. Uh, he plays UFC often, does breakdowns on the UFC cards, and here lately he's been playing Pikmin. Good times. Uh, so, jumping back into the fantasy football, any other kind of like make or break tidbits of info that you'd want to give the listeners here? Obviously, none of your none of your uh, opponents. Make sure they're not listening. I love that. I love that. But yeah, I think in terms of making or breaking, I didn't ask this last week when I was fucking playing you. (laughs) And that was a close game. I barely edged you out there at the end, but it was a fun one, man. I love when it goes down to Monday night and you need a few points, makes it that much more interesting for sure. Obviously I was fantasy gods were on my side this week. It happens. Um, I would say though, again, you know, stacking your bench, preparing, seeing what players are going to be coming up on a bye week. And then thinking, is this somebody that's viable? Should I get them now? Even if it's not someone to start this week, do I need them in another week or two? And then lastly, too, it's uh, look at those kickers. You mentioned defenses as well. Look at the matchups. Look what that kicker's done over the last few weeks. If they're not putting up double-digit points, then you might want to steer away from them. It's typically a week-to-week matchup, but there are certain kickers that if they're getting 12 points, 15 points, 18 points, it's a huge difference versus four or five which are just extra point kicks, right? I mean, that's only four points each time. So what teams are maybe getting into striking range, but not always scoring, you know, the Rams, for example, are one of the, had the, one of the best kickers right now. Um, Dallas always moving the ball, but maybe not always scoring touchdowns. Uh, Riley Patterson for the, you mentioned Jared Goff and the lions. So trying to find some of those high upside kickers week to week, and then defenses as well. Weather games We're approaching that year where, you know, Hey, is it, in, in the south, are is there going to be weather conditions? Is it going to be raining? Up north, is it going to be snowing? Try to manage these conditions. Chase those defenses. 
but fade those kickers. Do you, you know, if there's any sort of mild climate, if they're not in a dome, get a different kicker, like right off the bat. Anybody in Cleveland, Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati, you know, those, those areas, I mean, Buffalo, it gets tough, man. So that's my last takeaway because those are two positions that can make or break every week. So be mindful. I, I think that that's absolutely solid information, uh, especially for anybody that's, I mean, honestly, for anybody that's either been doing fantasy football for a very long time or somebody that's brand new to it, I think that's a really, really good kind of tidbit of information to take into account. Um, and listeners, this is something I totally just did on a whim. I know that it's something he wants to get off the ground and uh, I'm, I know I'm putting him kind of on the spot here. So don't judge him on the answers, guys. He didn't have time to prep on this like we do on the MMA topic. So and if you're uh, impressed, gonna... just imagine how much better it'll be when I, we actually prepare, baby. Let's go. Let's go, baby. I appreciate you, baby. And uh, on that note, you know, uh, I, I am Olin, Olin the third. So we got to put him on the spot for a third question here. Um, I know it might be a little bit late in the season, us going into week five now. But um, whether it's for this season or just looking forward to next season, as of right now, in your humble Jive Turkey Nano opinion, um, who are the biggest cheat code quarterbacks in the league right now man and obviously what codes. i mean by that are, are like you know quarterbacks that serve dual purposes quarterbacks that are able to not only get the ball into the end zone through a wide receiver but are also able to make the play action pass are also able to do the quarterback sneak are also able to whenever you know the the going gets tough and the tough gets going they're able to find a, a hole in the pocket and just gut it up the middle themselves yeah man yeah you mentioned i mean some great names i mean I'm going to start with someone that balled out this last weekend who beat my booty, but also win me, won me some games. So it's kind of a catch 22, but that's Josh Allen. I mean, he put up four touchdowns throwing. He ran a touchdown in as well. Perfect example. Like you said, dual threat. He can run the ball. He can get out the pocket. He can basically out physical out, uh, be more physical than your linebackers and your DBs. Strong boy. Yeah, he's six six, like two fifty plus. I mean, and the dude can move. So you gotta love everything about that. QB sneak, anything's in the arsenal. Um, and he's got a big arm. He can throw seventy yards if he needs to. So love that. He's a cheat code. Uh next, a little bit more limb limble, limber. Um, but it's Lamar Jackson. I mean, what his performance against the Cleveland Bounds this last week, uh, multiple throwing touchdowns, had two rushing touchdowns as well. Makes it look easy. He's so darn fast. He makes people look like they're on skates out there. I know you appreciate next level speed. That's what Lamar does. It's lightning fast, man. He's so fun to watch. And on that Madden game, he's he a literal. People, other fast people look not fast. <laughs> exactly, bro. He's like Michael Vick and Madden 04, just a literal cheat code, brother. Just unbeatable. And then the, the, was definitely a cheat code in the old Madden games. And the honorable mention, man, a great comeback victory here coming off an injury, but Anthony Richardson, a rookie. Scoring a rushing touchdown in each of his first three games. Brother, in every game, each of his first three has a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. Nobody's done that. That is impressive. So the guy's, he's developing. He's like that cheat code that you you had to kind of hear about. Maybe you looked it up online, but it was one of some of those Grand Theft Auto cheat codes that if you know, you know, right? If you see someone running around with a chopper or unlimited cash, you go, how's this guy doing it? He's got the cheat code. And that's the best kept secret. And that's uh, Anthony Richardson, man. He's the next one. Love to hear it. Guys, you heard it here first. Um, again, once he gets his podcast off the ground, he starts making consistent episodes. We'll have to plug it every fucking episode here and make sure you guys all go follow, especially if you're into NFL. Um, Absolutely. 
or if you're just into us, you know? Uh, so, as always, that's it. That's the fight card. We even had a little bit of sprinkled extra tidbits of uh, NFL knowledge here for you fantasy fans. And again, as always, if you're new here, if you're returning, either or, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. And uh, we appreciate you stopping by. We appreciate the love. Keep the passion for mixed martial arts alive, and we will see you all next time. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.